Uh, I, Dave's not going to be here next week when we have our team from the Philippines share a little bit. So I wanted him to share today. And, uh, you know, Dave's going to have to suffer on a cruise, I think it is, next week. And what else you got going, Dave? You got a cruise. Then what, then what are you doing? I go out to Calgary. Then he's going out to Calgary again. So he said he wouldn't be back to like April or something or, I don't know, the new millennium comes again or something like that. <laughs> Easter. Easter, yeah. So I said, okay, Dave, then could you, could you share today? Because um, uh, I think this was a really great trip for Dave as well. And, uh, and you know, he was our, our senior citizen on the trip. Uh, but I'll tell you, he didn't work like one. Uh, he just poured his heart into this. Uh, like nobody's business, and so Dave, I just wanted you to share uh, what God, uh, you saw God do in your own life or in the lives of others when you're on the trip, and, and just share that with everybody this morning. How much time do I have? Uh, about five minutes. Okay. <laughs> I asked that because yesterday I was at my men's group, and uh, they asked me the same question when I share what happened on the mission trip. What I thought was going to be 10 minutes was an hour. So <laughs> That's I, not going to happen this morning, Dave, I, just I, so you know. It happened this morning. Anyways, um, this is about my sixth mission trip, and I've got to say it's one of the best mission trips I've been to. Not that we did a lot more work, but the mix of the mission trip was terrific. We had a time of, of seeing the kids, working with the kids, working with other churches uh, at services, you know. It was mission work, and... Uh, as Kevin said, he did a couple callings, and I remember the, the last night he did that call to come forward, and there must have been something like 400 to 500 young people in the room. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you, probably 75% of them were under 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Amen. And all of a sudden, 350-odd people came forward, and I said, Holy smokes, how are we going to handle this? But we got through it. But it, as Kevin said earlier, there is a thirst out there in mm -hmm. the Philippines. Amen. And I agree that it is being planted there, and they're going to go out in the world and make a tremendous difference. That's right. Um, for me, uh, the whole trip was challenging in the sense that it challenged my Chris, Christian walk. I haven't prayed over a lot of people, to be honest. And when Kevin said, come up and pray over these people, it challenged me. And I had some tremendous experiences when I was praying over people. Uh, when this one lady dropped in front of me, I kind of I said, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and, and she was, she was crying and crying, and I just had to pray over her and, and just did the best I could. And then when some young kids came up and asked me to pray over them, what do you say? And uh, when, when somebody wants healing, okay, and they said, I want a heal, healing. So that's what they came up and asked us, and it mm -hmm. really challenged my, my faith. The other part of the trip was the actual physical work at Hope for All Children. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, if you're worrying about how our money is being used over there, I can tell you it's being used wisely. Amen. Amen. Mike and Tony are terrific missionaries over there. And they are feeding that money properly into the community. 
the vision they have for that area. It's about 30 acres, wasn't it, something yeah. they have? And they're building some buildings right on, on, the, on the property. But their vision is bigger than that. And I, I could see it in that, and I worked with these gentlemen. And I'll just tell you, if you ever thought your money wasn't being spent wisely, it is. Amen. These guys are great guys. And that. so that's another thing you get from it. And then working with the locals. Uh, RJ, I was working with RJ. He worked me so hard, but I ended up having uh, what sunstroke would be. Yeah. I ended up having <laughs> sunstroke. I was sick that night. I had to stay home. And then the day after, I, I went to work. But uh, I'm working with RJ, and I came back, and we laughed about it. But it, w it was fun just working with uh, the people. Also, we had the uh, uh, fortunate thing to go back to Melita. And the Cooties know all about the Melita. By the way, I went to the church that we built. I got a picture of Kevin doing his uh, preaching there. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was just good to see that. You know, what we did there 12 years ago is still standing. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And in Melita, we had the opportunity to go with Kevin, who's not this Kevin, but the Kevin down there. Kevin Cracknell. And we went up into the mountains and worked with the locals there. And it was just fantastic. And that we had a, what do we call a service? I don't even want to call it. We just got it get together so it was uh it was really fantastic yeah, so was. um i think my five minutes are, is almost up. <laughs> but i want to say something i had the opportunity to bunk with this guy and you learn a lot about a guy when you bunk with him eh? <laughs> <laughs> that is too much information right Kevin? <laughs> but i saw this this guy preach and I saw what he talked about. He talked about brothers and sisters in Christ. He talked about dreams. He talked to young groups about vesting their money properly in the kingdom. He talked to the young people about being addicted to your cell phone. Man, we are blessed to have a preacher like that. The words he spoke, the way he spoke, was just incredible. And everybody on the team, the nine of us, had the opportunity to listen to our pastor speak. So we are well-schooled here. We have a great investment here. We are blessed. And I know other people came up to me and said, man, is Pastor Kevin a great preacher? So don't take it for granted, I'll tell you. He's a tremendous pastor, and it was great working with him during the last two weeks. Thanks, Thank Kevin. You, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Amen. Thanks so much. <clears throat> Thank you, Dave. I got to tell you, you know, when you watch Dave work, you would not know that this man is uh, 70 years old. Uh, the reason he got sunstroke is he spent five or six hours on a jackhammer 
uh, a small jackhammer chipping concrete in the heat of the day, all day. And he ended up with a bit of sunstroke from that. It's already low, so he was just one day getting over it, and he was right back into it again. We took it easy on him the rest of the week. He got to drive around a truck and deliver metal to a scrapyard and stuff like that. Uh, but he worked and worked and worked and worked, and uh, our team did such a great job. And so I'm looking forward to next week, them getting a chance to share with you. But I knew Dave and Lois, you guys are going, going to have a great time. Be blessed, all right? Uh, we're so excited, maybe a little jealous as well uh, about the cruise and everything. Hopefully they won't lock you up in the ship for about a month and a half and keep you there. Uh, but uh, we're, yeah, yeah, as long as they keep bringing room service, I guess. But uh, anyway, we, we love you guys. Dave, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you on the team. Uh, you know, in the middle of the night, the, the, the day that Dave got the sunstroke, he, about four in the morning, he's, he's like, Kevin, Kevin. I go, what, what, what? And then he goes, I'm sick. And I was like, okay, do you want me to hold your hair for you? Uh, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then he's like, well, at my age, he says, you never know what's going to happen to you. So uh, anyway, it was, it was just awesome. We had such a great time together. It was fantastic. And uh, uh, just, just keep praying for the Baileys and for the team in the Philippines. Uh, Tony and his wife, uh, they're working so hard. And uh, you'll find out more about that next week. But uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I was going to come back and just, you know, go on with my uh, series. And then, uh, you know, I just felt the Lord tell me that I was not supposed to, to do that, that he had something else for me to do. And uh, so I was working on it all day yesterday, just typing out my thoughts and, you know, just kind of waiting on the Lord. And then I went to the Next, gen, gen, next Generation meeting. We decided not, not millennials, Next Generation. And uh, <clears throat> that better H? That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? And uh, so I went to the meeting last night. Great time, by the way. The hunger was awesome, but the unity when we walked out of the room was great. And, uh, you know, Pastor Mark and I went and spent some time with them. What an incredible future we have. Uh, we are very excited. And so anyway, um, I got home last night, and my, I, I just hit my button on my computer. It was froze. So then I thought, oh, okay. So I rebooted it. And for whatever reason, everything that I, the, the document was there, it was saved and everything, but everything that I put on it was gone. So I said, okay, Lord, um, uh, what's going on here? And uh, so anyway, uh, I, I redid it and stuff last night, printed it, and then I left it at the church, uh, house, I should say. So... <laughs> And, 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 you know, yeah, seriously, I left it all there. Uh, so I, I, I really just wanted to talk to you from my heart as a father today. Um, I, I, I feel I need to, to, to talk to you as a, as a dad today. And what I need to, to share with you, I really need you to listen to my heart. Um, I, I think this is a, a kind of a, one of those mornings where I want you to just picture yourself that you're you're sitting with, with your dad, and you're in the living room. It's time for, for a family meeting, all right? So it's a family meeting today. You're all, uh, you're all family here tonight, and my wife and I absolutely adore each and every one of you. Um, Mark and I commented last night. We looked around the room at, at, at the next generation of leadership in our church, and we said, oh, my goodness, it's way more gifted and talented than what we started this church with. To give you an, an example... I was the worship leader when we started the church. <laughs> Just saying, okay? Just saying. If anyone's heard me sing or watched me play the guitar, you know it had to have been desperate that, that we were in that situation. Way, way more going for us right now than, than we had then. Way more. 
And I think that what we do with that as a family going forward is extremely critical. And um, we as leaders uh, have not been perfect, but we, we are committed. And, um, you know, we are, as a, a father and fathers in the house, we're committed to you. We, we, we will not leave you. We will not forsake you. We, we won't uh, be perfect in that process because we're not perfect, but we are here as, as family today. So I want to talk to you as, as family. Can we do that? So let's just, we're family today. I want to, I want to start our family meeting off with some prayer, and, uh, and then we're going to go from there. All right? Father, I just thank you today for this incredible family that is Desert Stream. I thank you for every one of them. I thank you for the gift they are to each other. I thank you for the gift they are to you. Thank you for the gift they are to this community. And uh, I thank you that, God, they are a gift going outside this community to the world. And, Father, I just bless this family today. And I ask you to, to just, as a father today, just help me to open my heart to them. And uh, to kind of pour it out today in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I've had people come up to me and they've said, I think Desert Stream needs to figure out who they are. I've had more than a few people say that to me. And I say, you know, is Desert Stream a, a, a Holy Ghost church? Is Desert Stream a seeker-sensitive church? You know, is Desert Stream a contemporary worship house? Is Desert Stream a prayer house? Is Desert Stream a intergenerational house, an apostolic sending house? Is, gener- is, it, is it not a church at all? That's one of the things that Dean Briggs said to us. Maybe, you're, maybe that's the whole point. You're not really meant to be a church at all. Maybe you're meant to be something other than that just happens to have a church that meets in its context. Um, you know, they're all great questions. And uh, we're not trying to avoid those questions by any means. Uh, we're trying to engage in those questions. And the reason we brought Dean Briggs in is because we're, we're actively asking the heart of God to show us what's next. We're at a 25-year juncture in our, our church, the first weekend of April. We're going to have a 25th anniversary celebration. That's the actual day. But then in the fall, we're going to do a 25th anniversary outreach to our community. And we're excited about what that's going to look like. And we're looking for people to get on board with us on that. But we, uh, we did that weekend with Dean because we're, we're actively asking God, you know, what, what is it that we are? Who, who is Desert Stream? And, and uh, we're saying, well, God, we want to we wanna make sure that we end up doing and walking in who we are as a church. So Dean, after that weekend with us, and some of you know what I'm talking about, some of you, you don't. It doesn't matter if you were here or weren't there part of that weekend. That's okay. Uh, but we got the people who were serving in leadership in some capacity or the other in the church and as many next-gen leaders as we could as well, got them together, and, and Dean just really challenged us for a weekend. And uh, one of the things he did was at the end of it is he gave us a survey, and then he gave us his results from that survey, and it was pretty, pretty interesting. And we unpacked that together as a core leadership uh, back in January. Um, but what I found most interesting in the whole thing was Dean's observations as somebody who's been here three times. He'd been here twice before that. Uh, we'd had him come with Tony Fitzgerald during our uh, Kingdom Transformation Conference that we had, and he was here with the Pray Canada group that was going through here. So this was his third time uh, at Desert Stream. And uh, 
what he said at the back of the report in his observations of being here was this. He said, Desert Stream has a beautiful and obvious culture of family built on strong and long-lasting friendships. And then he said, love beyond or above knowledge, and when prodigals come home, treat them like they never left. These are more than slogans. They are evidence in the character and spirit of the place. Dean's observations, they reminded me of what's at the center of Desert Stream. When we started it 25 years ago, we had the tagline, Desert Stream, a place of new beginnings, right? Uh, and, you know, then we, uh, we changed that about five years ago to Belong, Believe, Become. But if you'd asked anybody that was here from the beginning, what, what was the essence of who we are, you'd probably get somebody who would say that, that, you know, if I said you could sum up Desert Stream's mission statement in one thing, they would probably say love is non-negotiable. We have had that phrase as part of our identity from the beginning. Love is non-negotiable. Love is non-negotiable. And what does that mean? It means that love is never on the table. You know, we don't withhold love to try and manipulate people's behavior. Uh, we do not, uh, love will not be withheld. Love will not be weaponized. You can weaponize love. Right? You can use it as a, a, a tool to be able to, uh, you know, uh, attack people or, or confront people in a, in a way in which your care for them is secondary to your attitude about being right. And we just said, we're not going to ever use relationships that way. We're not going to use love that way. And when we came out with the, the line, belong, believe, become, the interesting thing was that we, we found those three words together in other churches all across North America, but they all were in a different order. It was believe, belong, become. And we're very purposeful about rearranging the order because we think they all have it wrong. It's belong, believe, become. No offense, but they're all wrong. <laughs> it is belong, believe, become, and I believe that's the Jesus method. I mean, Jesus walked with 12 disciples. None of them understood who he was and what he was here for. They all tried to interrupt his progress to the cross. Uh, they all, it wasn't until after he rose from the dead that the penny finally dropped, right? And yet he loved them called them his family. He said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And he brought them in and he grafted them into his family. It was belong. They, they belong long before they really believed. Does everybody understand that? And that idea of belong, believe, become is just a continuation of the idea that love at Desert Stream is non-negotiable. Someone say amen. amen. So I think we need to be reminded of that this morning, that uh, love is not negotiable. These are critical days for us as a church. And if we, if we forget that, if we get focused on, you know, who are we becoming? What is the new thing? Yada, yada, yada. If we forget love, oh, man, we're, we're pooched before we ever begin. All right, hear me? Um, so how will we be known in the future? I think that's the question. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is preceded by a couple verses in chapter 12. And it says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? Paul's asking that question. And then he said, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Right? He's just talked a whole chapter about gifts. Then he says, and yet, everybody say, and yet. Yeah. And yet, I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into the most famous chapter in the entire Bible. We call it the love chapter. More people know portions of that than they do of any other portion of the Bible. 
And I won't bother to read it all today, but, you know, he starts right off, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but I have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Why does he start with that? Because he just talked about tongues and interpretation in tongues and prophecy, and he launches right in. He says, even if you speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you're just noise. You're just noise. And, you know, as we move ahead as a church, and we can get all kinds of things right, but if we don't get love right, then we're noise. It's just noise. You know, all we are is just a bunch of people getting worked up for nothing if we don't have love. And love has got to be the centerpiece of what we are, what we do, uh, because at the end of the day, the thing that binds us together Binds all the gifts together, makes them all work properly, is love. And without it, nothing works. Nothing works without it. <sighs> love is what produces unity. And uh, we hunger for unity at Desert Stream. But a lot of people get confused. They think unity is uniformity. And they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Uh, our, uh, well, Barry and I, for example, have walked together for two decades now. Two decades. Did you know that we, we connected by accident? Did you know that? My wife and I are sitting at Kelsey's. Barry and his family walk in. And Barry looks a little bit like her cousin. Now that I look at him, really not that much. But he, he looked a bit like her cousin. And He's 6'4". Uh, you can see the similarities right off the bat. Uh, but anyway, for some reason, I thought her cousin Paul had walked in, and I went up, and I, as soon as I walked around the corner, I realized it wasn't Paul, but I walked up to him anyway, just being the person I am, and I was like, hi, I said, uh, how are you doing? And then Barry looked at me, he goes, Kevin Dowling, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm not famous, you know who I am, but uh, anyway, and uh, so anyway, we got chatting, and, uh, and it was like this, this divine mistake of identity that put us together, and we've walked together pretty much ever since that day. God wove us together. And, uh, and I love this man like you cannot imagine. Um, uh, I think that, that, Barry, you're one of the finest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, your, your passion for God inspires me regularly. And uh, your, your uh, protection of me and my heart is second to none. And I love you. And uh, it has been an honor, 20 years walking with you. An absolute honor. And I say that to say this because though Barry and I are 95% in agreement theologically, 95, that's pretty high, 95%, maybe even 97, you know what I mean? Barry and I, I would go with Barry to pick up leather in Montreal, we'd, we'd talk theology the whole way up and the whole way back. Sometimes I don't know who was driving the vehicle. Uh, eight hours of the day, just, and we would preach each other happy by the time we got there and by the time we got back. Um, you know, the Bible asks the question, how can two walk together unless it be agreed? Do you know how they walk together even when they're not in a total 100% agreement? Love. Love. Barry and I may not be 100% in agreement, but we are 100% in love with each other. We care for one another. It's not negotiable. Never on the table. And love is not uniformity. Barry and I love and honor each other very deeply, but we're very different people. All right? And you got to hear this this morning. I'm an apostle and a teacher. I'm PowerPoint. I'm linear. I have three points and a conclusion. 
I'm impartation through information. Truth. Truth is extremely high to me. This is who I am. All right? Barry is prophet and encourager. He's story. He's nonlinear. He is three prophecies in an altar call. Right? He's, he's impartation through exhortation. Right? Um, we're very different. Very, very different. But we honor and love each other. When, when I'm up here speaking, my number one fan is my wife. Number two is right there. Right there. Uh, I could be talking about the Peanuts cartoons and Barry's amen to me, even if he has no idea what I was talking about. Because he's, he's like, man, that was great. You you pounced on it today, Pastor. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, when, and when Barry's preaching, his greatest fan's right there, and then other one's right there, right, me. There isn't, there isn't this idea that, that one way is, is better than the other way. We are 100% behind each other. And, and you have to understand that. Or you, or, and if you miss that, you miss, you miss what we've walked out in 20 years. I know lots of churches that have prophets and pro- prophetic ministries and all kinds of rest, and, and have apostolic leaders and all the rest of it, pastors and every other gift you can think of, and, uh, and yet there's no unity. There's no relationship. Unity is not uniformity. It's not important that Barry talks or walks like me or I talk and walk like him or Pastor Mark walks like us or, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we have each other's back, that we love each other that we care for each other. When I'm, you know, speaking, like I said, we're there for each other. (sighs) Unity is the fruit of love and honor. It's the fruit of love and honor. Uniformity, on the other hand, is a byproduct of dogma and control. That's what it is. Most leadership teams don't have unity. They have uniformity. pastor wants everybody to talk like him, sound like him, act like him. That's not what we want at Desert Stream. I want Barry to be Barry. I do. But he wants me to be me. Do you hear me as a father what I'm saying today? I have no interest in making Barry into my image. Seriously. I don't. I don't have any interest in making Mark into my image. Or Mark McFall into my image or anybody else. What I want them to be is what God called them to be. And I want them to be that with bells on. I want, them to, I want them to be celebrated. I want Barry to be here because he's celebrated here. Now that's, who we, that's what family is. That's what love is all about. Am I making any sense today? Christ is calling us all to love one another deeply. And he's not interested in a divided house, but a united house. And the enemy would, lo- enemy would like to divide us, and he's attempted to divide the church over the years. And it uh, started in Corinth. Remember in Corinth, uh, uh, this is a place where, the, where, where love and honor got weaponized. Remember I used that word earlier? Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Weaponized honor. Where you say, well, no, no, we... we we agree with Barry, or, or we agree with Kevin, or, or we, we agree with Pastor Mark, or whatever. But, but you know what? No, 
We're not followers of Barry or Kevin or Mark. We're followers of Christ. Are you hearing me? And when you take your honor and you direct it to uh, an individual and you can't honor others at the same time, then you've weaponized it. You've turned it into something the enemy uses. That's what Paul was talking about. It becomes something the enemy uses. And then the church is divided. There isn't, I'm just being candid with you here this morning. There isn't four congregations here, you know. Uh, Pastor Kevin's sons, Pastor Mark's sons, Pastor Mark's sons, and then Pastor McFall's sons that are much shorter. You know what I mean? That's, that's not the way it is. That's not the way it is. That's not what's going on here. That's not what's happening here. Last night when we were at the Next Generation Leadership, it was, there was a, an incredible hunger in the room, but the thing that captivated me the most when I left was the sense of unity in the room. That they're, they're all on the same page. They want God. And you know what? And it's okay if you say, well, I, I prefer when Pastor Mark preaches because the guy is just so soothing and comforting. And uh, some of you say, oh, I, I, I like it when Barry preaches because I just want, I want to have, uh, I want to get exhorted. I want to pumped up, you know. And then all the lovers of Greek go, I like it when Pastor Kevin pulls out the Greek for me and helps break it down. Whatever. It, it's, it's all good. It's all good. You know, we're, we all want the same thing here. We want God. We want God. Are you hearing me this morning? There are not Kevin's followers and Barry's followers and Mark's followers or Mark's followers. There's followers of Christ. And that's it. Period. Yet, i got to be honest, this, this kind of thing happens. When Sid and Cheryl left and moved out west, there were people that left the church because they were connected. They honored Sid and Cheryl. They were connected with Sid and Cheryl. But, and that's great. But when that connection means that you, you, don't, you didn't develop these connections, that's a problem. Same thing happened when Todd and Tammy left. There were people that connected with Todd and Tammy. Same thing would likely happen if Barry left or if Mark, when Mark moves on, if God moves on, or if we left. That should never be the case because we're a family. We're a family. Now, God could move somebody on. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when it's, it's what happens is when honor and love gets, gets weaponized like that. It gets turned into something that's counterproductive to the health and the well-being of the body of Christ. God doesn't want that. Are you hearing me? Because you can say, well, that never happens. That, what Paul was talking about there in Corinth, that would never happen here. It's happened here. It happens in every church across North America all the time. And we have to recognize that it's actually about Christ. It's about Christ being all and in all and through all. I want to tell you one story before I um, kind of wrap this up. Last week, uh, Pastor Mark had some people read tributes and stuff to... Uh, to Laura, I was shocked when I found out of Laura's passing when I was in the Philippines. I, I, I said, what? You've got to be kidding me. I have sat down with Laura and had probably more coffees with her than just about anybody else in here except maybe Pastor Mark or my son Derek lately. We've been, been getting together with quite a bit. And uh, um, Laura was one of those people that had one of the most difficult walks uh, with Christ that you've probably ever experienced. And, uh, and 
so much hurt. And, and you know what happens that hurt people, what do they do? Exactly. You know how it works. And uh, back in November, Laura wrote me an email, which was full of some <laughs> ridiculously, uh, you know, nasty accusations and things. And uh, it wasn't long after she wrote it, she felt bad for writing it. And I was, we were in Nicaragua. I, di I didn't bother to respond to it when I got it. I just went on to Nicaragua. You know, it's always important to let people think about things. So you just let them think. And, and it's also important that you think about things and that you don't just write back uh, from your emotion, but you write back from a spirit of love. Right? So, so I get back from Nicaragua and I, I wrote her back. And uh, we saw each other on the Sunday when I got back. And she came up to me uh, with tears in her eyes. Just, I'm so sorry for what I said in the email. And I looked at her and I said, did you read? Did you read my response? And she looked at me and she said, no, I was afraid to. And I said, why? She said, I was afraid you were going to kick me out of the church. And she expressed that to Mark. Mark said, well, that's not the way Pastor Kevin works. She even expressed it to my son. And Derek said, that's not the way my dad works either. But the spirit of rejection can get so deep in someone's life. And there's only one thing that destroys that spirit. Love. And I said, Laura, that's, that was never on the table. I said, I'm happy to answer any of your questions or do anything I can to, to do that. But I said, we love you and we want nothing but the best for you. Period. Right? And as we go forth of the church, um, it's not important that you agree with everybody 100%. But it is important that you love them. Sometimes we make, we make love conditional upon agreement. And there's so much pressure in our world today that that's how the world operates. One of the, the bad things about the internet is it's allowed us as a society to break down by ever, ever more uh, uh, refined uh, ideologies and only group with or talk with or fellowship with or love those who agree with us 100%. Right? It's getting more and more like that all the time. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the reality is, the reality is, that's not the kingdom of God. And, you know, the world is, it will, will call you uh, hateful and everything else if you don't agree with them. But, you know, that's okay. But don't you be the person who won't love them back. Are you hearing me? You be the person that, that as a church, we have a great opportunity here. To, in the midst of the, the ideologically driven culture, to... to Instead, return love. Return love. Love, love, love. Are you hearing me this morning? That's what we have an opportunity to do. We have an opportunity to do that. How do we do that? How, do we, how can we advance Christian love as a correction to the divisiveness and the ideological refining of our culture down into these little political groups or little ideological groups. How do we do that in the church? I was, uh, I, I get a daily thing from a guy named Jim Dennison. He's a uh, gentleman in the States. And he, he said this, he's from, he's from Texas, Nick, Texas boy. And here's what he said. He said, I was on my early morning walk in our neighborhood recently when an ambulance and a fire truck turned onto our street. 
in that moment, of course, nothing mattered but the well-being of my wife at home. I turned and I followed the ambulance and the fire truck until I determined that they had not stopped at my house. Imagine, however, if I'd been walking through a neighborhood but didn't know anybody that lived in that neighborhood and the same thing happened. He said, I'd have stopped, I'd have prayed for whoever it was, but then I would have went on with my daily business because I didn't have any connection to that person. And he said this whole experience with the angels and everything, he said, reminded him of something. He said it reminded him that love uh, and, and, and generic love, he said, is a contradiction of terms. Can't put generic and love together. Uh, let, me, let me explain. He said it's easy for God to say, that, to, for us to say that God loves everybody because he does. Because he has the capacity to do that because he, he's God. So he knows everybody and loves everybody uh, at the same time. You and I do not have that capacity. So we can't say that we love everybody the same way that God loves everybody because we don't have that capacity. Taking love and making it generic like that waters it down so it's not love at all. You understand what he was saying? So he said what we have to do is we have to separate the idea of love from this concept of this generic, oh, we just love everybody. All love, you know, that's one of the phrases, that, oh, I'll, I'll love. I'm just saying I'll love. And they throw that out there, and they don't, they don't mean that at all. And we have to ask God to, to show us how to love people. Um, we can't claim to be omniscient. We can't claim to be everywhere at the same time. We can't claim to love the whole world the same way Christ does. But we can still love. The Bible says in Psalm 41, blessed is the one who considers or takes care of the poor. So to help the poor, then help somebody who's poor. Do it. Don't be generic. Be specific. Get in there and actually love somebody. Jesus intends us to proclaim the gospel to all nations. You say, well, that's me. I'm going to proclaim the gospel to all nations. No, you won't preach the gospel to all 212 nations or whatever there is in the world. I doubt anybody here will have that opportunity. Uh, the reality is, though, how do you love and preach the gospel to all nations? Start with the person that lives right next door to you. Preach the gospel to that one. Share it with that one. Uh, he can, can commission us to make disciples of all nations. I, you can't make disciples of all nations, but you can make disciples of your friends at school, at work, uh, you know, etc. The Bible tells us to love everyone, even your enemies. But how do I do that? Then start with someone in the church. Start with somebody you disagree with in the church and love them. Stretch yourself and love somebody that you don't agree with. Find somebody in the church that you think is right off the wall and go love them. That's how you can do it. You want to know how to love your enemies? Find somebody you think is just nuts and go love them. And it's going to be funny after the service, all these people walking up to different people. And you're saying, oh, so you think I'm nuts. Is that why you're talking to me this morning? The point that I'm getting at is that, is that love's not generic. Love is intentional. It's purposeful. It's specific. It is, it is expressed one-on-one. It's expressed in ways that, that often get missed in our information, social media-laden culture. We have, to, we have to do it by getting our hands dirty, by getting involved. By, You know, I can't save all the orphans in the world, but I can work with Mike Bailey and I can save some orphans in the Philippines. Right? I can't, I can't, you know be a spiritual father to everybody, but I can to the ones that are in my life do everything that I can today. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Such kind of personalized love may not bridge all of the political divisions in our culture, uh, in our nation today, but they will help the people that we do serve and the people that we do walk with. It will cause people outside the church, the Bible says, to know that we're Christians by what? Our love for one another. See, not generic love. This Bible's very specific. It doesn't say, and they'll know you're Christians by your love. It's not what it says. That's generic. That's the way the world wants to, to operate. No, 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 no. Your love one for another. The person you're walking with, they'll know that we're Christians because of how we love one another. Are you hearing me? That's how they'll know. Not generic love, specific love. Love expressed each day in the trenches every day. Oswald Chambers said this, And never allow this thought that I am of no use where I am, because you certainly can be of no use where you are not. Think about that for a minute. You can be of no use where you're not. In other words, if we really want to be uh, loved, then we got to just show up. We got to show up. As a, as a church family, I'm very excited about our future. And um, we're trying to be as proactive about where we go in the future as possible. And the only way we're going to get there is if we're really, really proactive about our love. Um, our love for you, your love for us, your love for each other. Love, at the end of the day, is what will win. And, uh, you know, I'm not talking about mushy, gushy, oh, we just love everybody, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about having no values, no principles, no nothing. That's not what I'm talking about either. I'm talking about being very specific in my mission to love today. And I, can, I can't love everybody realistically, but I can love you. You're right here in front of me today. And the more specific we get with our love, the more uh, purposeful we are with our love, the more fruit that comes from it. Amen? And that's what we need. And as a father today, I just want you to know that we, as a, as a leadership, we are committed to that message of love in and through your lives. We love each other, and we love you. And we love you. Amen. Stand with me this morning. You want to come here, Sherry? Thirty-five years ago, this woman said she'd love me the rest of her life. Best decision she ever made. But I want you to know that I looked at her and I told her I'd love her the rest of my life. And that was definitely the best decision I ever made. And we have, we've walked that out. And we've had days when we didn't like each other, but we still loved each other. And we've been purposeful about it for over 35 years. And uh, that's the kind of love that I'm talking about. It's purposeful. It's not, it's not pie in the sky psychobabble. Yeah, 
is more than a feeling. Love is a verb. It's about doing, giving, acting, taking care of, investing. It's all those things. And if we get love right, all the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about in the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy will be powerful. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, all that kind of stuff can flourish. Ministry gifts of healing and miracles can, can change people's lives because love is at the center of it. You take love out of the equation, and Paul says it's all noise. It's all noise. But you keep love at the center of it, and look what God can do. My wife and I are not perfect, but we're, we love each other, and we're committed to each other. And we love you, and we're committed to you. Um, some people have said, you guys are going on sabbatical. Oh, no, you're resigning. Because <laughs> when pastors go on sabbaticals, that's what they do. No, we're not resigning. You're not getting off the hook that easy. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. On sabbatical, we're going to go places, yes. But uh, we, we love this house. We love you as a people. And we, we plan to stay until we are able to release somebody else as a son in the house to take over and carry that mantle for another generation. And it won't be until God puts that person in our lives that can do it even more effectively than we can. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why? Because we're family. That is who we are. That's who we are. Just put your arms out around somebody like this because they're family. Hug them this morning. That's right. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's good. Father, we just thank you for your love that binds us together. And as a father and a mother here in the house today, we just, we just speak and release a spirit of affection in this place today for one another. Father, we would love each other, we'd honor each other, we'd celebrate one another, we would want and earnestly work for the best for one another with everything that's within us. Father, we would be quick to, Lord, deal with any hurts that we have or offenses we have so that, Father, they get dealt with and that we're able to walk in unity in the bond of Christ. Father, that is who we are. We're not interested in human uniformity. I'm not interested in anybody having to walk like, talk like, sound like me or Sherry, but we are interested in unity that's forged in love and in honor. And Father, we thank you for it today. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm sorry it's a little late. It's 10-2. Go get your kids. Uh, be blessed. We love you. And we look forward to next week. God bless you.